you know, this idea of Mary's dilemma. And you hear it in the song. Mary, did you know, saying yes to God, what that would encompass? What consequences you would face? Mary, did you know uh, how your fiancé, Joseph, would react? Did you know that? Did you know your son, what your son would accomplish after he was born? So Mary had this dilemma. There was a dilemma going on in Mary's life. And do we, uh, this thing is not working here. It's my dilemma. Do I keep on going or do I stop? There we go. Mary's dilemma. A dilemma is a situation where the difficult choice has to be made between two or more alternatives. You have made a face of a dilemma this morning. Do I go to church or don't I go to church? Right? And then you might be in a, dis, uh, a dilemma right now. Do I listen to Pastor Al or do I look at my iPhone? We're all faced with dilemmas. Dilemmas happen to us all the time. There are different alternatives that we have. But for Mary, this dilemma would change her total life if she said yes to God. And it's usually what happens with Mary is that Uh, She's in this dilemma, and she knows that the decision that she makes will be a very serious one. Because Mary is only, most Bible scholars believe Mary is only between the ages of 12 and 14. Anybody of that age here today? 12 and 14, between 12 and 14? Well, Mary is engaged already to be married. And an engagement back then was usually a one-year engagement. And during that time, the husband would prepare a home for his new bride. But they would not consummate the marriage until after the wedding day. And the wedding day was a, was a feast. Jesus went to one in Canaan. And you recall that feast where Jesus had to turn the water into wine. But the feast lasts all day, sometimes two, three days. And the whole village is invited. Everybody's invited. It's a tremendous party and a tremendous celebration. And so all these people come together. And Mary has been planning this. Her family has been planning this. Mary is uh, someone who is looking forward to the plans that she has. And then God brings this interruption into her life. Through an angel. I don't know how you feel about interruptions, but a lot of times I don't like interruptions. Interruptions cause me to change my plans. Interruptions cause me to to sometimes be delayed in what I want to do. And this was no different for Mary. It was a huge interruption. But it was a breakthrough moment in her life. One of the most profound things that has happened in the history of the world the Immaculate Conception, God placing himself inside Mary's womb was about to happen if she said yes. Luke chapter 1, verses 21 and 28 says this. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, I I would just imagine how the angel said it. Greetings, highly favored one. And Mary must have been, whoa, what's going on? Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. 
And so Mary is pondering this. If you look at the original language, this is what it really says. Mary, rejoice. Be full of joy and grace because you've been given unmerited favor with God that will last forever. That's the translation in English, really. It's like saying, Mary, rejoice. You've got to be full of so much joy because God has chosen you. You are his special possession. You are the one he is going to use. This is tremendous. And you've been given all this grace, this favor before God. And the word highly favored in the Greek tense is a past perfect tense. It means that it's happened and it will never change. You are highly favored. You're favored now, and you will be the rest of your life. Right on on into eternity. So Mary is taken back by this. She's surprised. And, uh, you know, I don't know how uh, how you deal with interruptions in your life. It can be a relationship crisis. It can be illness. It can be a job change. It can be a broken marriage. It can be a car accident, a betrayal, a lawsuit, an unforeseen financial difficulty, a change in schools or job. There's so many ways that our lives are interrupted and our plans are put on hold. But do you know what this was said was? Mary, the Lord is with you. And it makes all the difference on the interruptions and the changes in our life. When God says, I'm going to be with you. In fact, what we talked about, the golden verse was Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Emmanuel, what does it mean? God with us. This is what God was trying to proclaim. And the gift that he gives us is that his presence is going to be with us. What's Mary's reaction to this revelation, this announcement? Well, you know, at first she's frightened. Luke 1.30 says, uh, you know, that the angel has to comfort her. He says, don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. He says it again. He says again, Mary, you have this grace that has been given to you, this fullness of grace, this favor that's been upon you. You don't have to be afraid. Isn't that what we need to hear sometimes in our lives? That God is with us in such a way that his grace, this unmerited favor, something we could not earn, not through our performance, not through our obedience, we couldn't earn it. It's grace, it's favor, it's God saying, you're mine. I love you. You belong to me. I remember the first time I finally believed that God loved me and forgave me of all my sin. It was a revelation. It transformed my life completely. And as I was coming back from that event where I received the Lord, I got baptized in the college dormitory. I uh, was filled with the Holy Spirit. I was driven home on a bus. I took a Greyhound bus back from Rochester area to, to Buffalo, New York. And I remember walking off the bus and walking towards my house, and I said, wow, God loves me. I can, I can face whatever happens in this life because I know God is with me, 
And he loves me. And it was such a confidence builder. I was, you know, I was messed up before I had gone and received the Lord. I was messed up. I didn't have any direction for my life. I wasn't planning on going to college. I was trying to get going to get a job somewhere. I really didn't have any direction for my life. I didn't have any career plans. I just thought, I just want to live, have fun, and just relax and just do the best I can. But now, there was a change there. I wasn't dating anyone either. I didn't have a girlfriend. Didn't have any prospects for a girlfriend. But I didn't care anymore. I said, I know God has my future in his hands. And now looking back over 40 plus years, and then you begin to see all that God has done in my life. When I look back, I say, yes, God, you've been with me. Has there been twists and turns and disappointments and difficulties and things and possible situations? I said, God, I don't know what you're doing here, but you've got to come through in my life or I'm going to be, (laughs) I'm really going to be hurting here. And he's done it. You know, has, when God called me into ministry, is ministry easy? No, it's not easy. Being a pastor is not easy. Being a, a Christian worker is not easy. Just like being a father or a mother is not easy. Just like being a student is not easy. And it takes God working in us to be able to accomplish things that the Lord wants to use us with. You see, I want us to see that Mary's story is really your story. It's really my story. Mary's calling, although it was unique and nobody else had received that calling, the essence of her calling is the same calling that you have on your life at 12, 13, 14, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, and beyond. God calls us And he calls us in love. And he says, I've forgiven you. I love you. I have poured my grace upon you in such a way that you're mine. And nothing can stop that love. You know, we need a revelation of that. Mary got a revelation of that. Yeah, she had an angel sent to her that woke her up and really surprised her. But, you know, we have the word of God. We have the story of Jesus from the beginning to the end. Mary only had the beginning part. Mary, did you know what was going to happen to you? No, she didn't know. She took one step of faith at a time. In obedience to God. Because of God's great mercy and love over her life. It's the same way you and I have to live. And then the angel goes on and says more to her in Luke chapter 1, 31 to 33. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you to call him Jesus. He'll be great and he'll be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. It's all this talk about the Old Testament fulfillment of what God had promised through the prophets years, hundreds of years before, are now becoming fulfilled. And he says, Mary, you're a part of it. What's Mary's first response? She doubts. She questions. How many people here have, you, have ever started your walk with God and you begin to doubt and you begin to question? Even after God meets you in a powerful way. I, didn't, I want to tell you, it wasn't 
But weeks later, after I felt that great feeling of confidence, that I felt a lot of doubt. Because I went back to my old friends who were not believers, and they were trying to get me to do the things that I, I shouldn't do. And I had a lot of doubt and confusion. I was in a lot of dilemma. What do I choose to do? Do I choose to go up my friends and do what they're doing? Or do I choose to follow what God has called me to do? And so Mary is in this place and she's questioning. And there's nothing wrong with questioning or doubting. That's part of the faith process. You can doubt, but you can't stay in that doubt. There comes a time when you have to make a decision and say, yes, God, I will follow you. Everybody has to make that decision. Or you stay in doubt. You stay in this limbo place of like, oh, I'm not sure. You know, how's this going to happen? And I just want to play it safe. I'm just going to keep my cards to myself. I'm not going to. But Mary, what Mary needed was a breakthrough. And she responded, but she responds first with, verse 34 says, How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. And Mary had some reasonable doubts here. She said, I've never been with a man. How could I ever be pregnant? (coughs) And then, how is this going to be possible? And then the angel answers her. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, verse 35 to 37. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, because no word from God will ever fail. Mary, this is a word from God. It's not going to fail. What God has said He's going to do. And he's going to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now you think about your life and my life. If God is going to do anything in our lives, it's going to be through his grace, his mercy, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the word of God. It's the same thing. We don't have an immaculate conception. But we have been born again of a living Word of God, the incorruptible Word of God. We've been born again. There's been a miracle that has happened in our lives if you're a believer and if you know Jesus and your eyes have been opened to His truth, then something has happened inside you that is just as miraculous. And God wants you to embrace that and understand that. You see, the Holy Spirit is active in our lives. He is the difference maker. He can transform us and change us to make us useful in his kingdom. You know, and he works in the most, um, what I would say, silent ways. When we don't even recognize that he's working, he's working. We sing that song, even when I don't see that he's working, he's working, right? There's times when God is working silently in our lives, even in the boring times, even in our times of vulnerability and humility. God is there working things out in our lives. You know, sometimes the most profound words I've ever heard God speak to me deep in my heart and in my soul. I don't know if you've ever heard these. I hope you have. It's just simple things like, I love you. I'm with you. You are blessed. 
trust me? Have you ever heard God speak to you like that? When you just say, God, I don't know what to do in this situation. I'm not sure what decision to make here. I'm in a dilemma. And if you humble yourself before the Lord, I promise you, God will lead you and guide you and direct you. He will do that in your life. You see, Mary's message from God can be our message. Next slide. Next slide there. Thank you. Mary's message, that first of all, that God loves you. That he promises to be with you. Two things that we've talked about already. And then you can experience his presence in your life through the Holy Spirit, number three. Number two and number three. Thank you. (laughs) And that he can bless you, number four. He blesses you, right? And he'll unfold his plan for you. And then number five is that he wants to live in you and through you. Look at those things. This is what God had promised Mary, but he's promising us the very same things. He promises us those very same things. Now, how old do you have to be? Mary was between the ages of 12 and 14. Elizabeth, her aunt, who had been barren for most of her years beyond uh, childbearing age, was expecting a child, a miraculous birth between uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And it was John the Baptist who she was pregnant with. And so uh, the angel says to Mary, you know, if you want a little confirmation of what's happening, go visit your aunt, who you know couldn't have children for many years, even though they tried. And now she's pregnant. Go see her. You know, there's times in our lives when God gives us a confirmation of what he's saying. I don't know how many times this has happened. It's usually when I get done praying, I get a phone call. And it's exactly the thing that I needed to hear. Or I get a text from somebody and they're sharing a verse with me. And it's exactly the thing that God was speaking to me, but there's a confirmation about it. You see, God helps us in this walk of faith because he begins to speak to us, but then we have to activate our faith and believe and then obey and follow what he's telling us to do. Do you think that God blesses us the same way he blessed Mary? I'm telling you, he blesses us even beyond that. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. I mean, this, I'm not even reading all the whole chapter. I'm just reading the section of it. But if you get a chance to read it back at home, this is all things about what God has, how God has blessed you. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. Because we believe in Christ and we're united in him, Even before he made the world, God loves us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Talked about being highly favored? You are. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. Not only has God 
uh, chosen us, but he's brought us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and he gave him great pleasure. God delights in loving us. He delights in blessing us. He delights in revealing how much he loves you. I mean, God isn't like, uh, maybe, maybe uh, you know, if I, if I say that I love him, it, it just might go to their head too much. No. God is saying, I love you a thousand different ways, a thousand times in our life, over and over and over again. He's trying to convince us how much he loves us and how much he is with us. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for his glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. You know, when we think about blessing, we immediately think of unlimited financial resource. If I just win the lottery, I'll be blessed. No need to work anymore. A secure future. A significant relationship. My 401k going through the roof. I can retire. That's what I'm talking about being blessed is. Right? Wrong. That's not what Jesus called blessed. When you look at the Sermon on the Mount, what did he say blessed is? He said blessed are the poor. He said blessed are the hungry. He said, blessed are those that mourn and weep. He said, blessed are those that are hated, excluded, persecuted, rejected. Those are the blessed people. Well, wait a second. I don't know if I want to be blessed. But you know what? What Jesus was saying is, I'm going to be with you in your mourning. Because everybody is going to mourn sometime. I'm going to be with you when you're hungering for a decision that you need to make. You're hungering for righteousness and you're hungering for the will of God in your life. I'll be with you there. And Jesus just didn't teach about it. He lived it. He became a fetus. I mean, you talk about the king of kings, the one who created all the universe, the billions of galaxies, stars, and he becomes inside Mary's womb. Is born, bloody, dirty, stinking, burn. Not in the palace, not with the hospital, not with the midwife, not with the doctor. Not with an IV. Not in sanitary conditions. Jesus comes in the dirt and the grime and the smell and the stink of our world. Why? To identify with you. To identify with me. He knows what it's like to suffer. He knows what it's like to be disappointed. He knows what it's like to have dreams shattered. He knows what it's like to start out 
a certain way and get detoured. He understands. He knows what betrayal is. He understands and bore our sins and even our illnesses in his body. He understands. And I think Mary's revelation of what she understood at that moment was that if God highly favored her, if he loved her, if he was giving her this unmerited favor that she couldn't earn, then she could respond in faith. In Luke 1.38, it says her response. Then Mary said, Behold, Luke 1.38, I am the servant of the Lord, and may it be done to me according to your word. I'm your servant, Lord. May it be done according to what you say. Not what I think, not what I doubt, not what I fear, but according to what you say. Your will be done in my life. So when we think about Mary on this journey with Jesus, I'm telling you it's mixed with joy, it's mixed with sorrow, it's mixed with miracles, and it's mixed with a crucifixion, a death of her own son. She outlives her own son. And I can only see Mary at the cross mourning that time. But then the resurrection happens. And she realizes, God, may it be done according to your word. I'm your servant. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, 35 and 36, he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37, it says, No, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced. Paul was convinced. He said, I'm convinced in my mind, in my heart, Nothing, nothing will ever be able to separate us. Neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. Mary, did you know what God was going to ask of you? Did you know what kind of child he would become? Did you know everything about your future, Mary? I don't think Mary knew it. She didn't know everything. But she trusted She believed that the love of God was strong enough and powerful enough to keep her in whatever she was going through. You see, Mary's dilemma is our dilemma. Can I have the next slide? Mary's answer is our answer. Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. 
may it be done to me according to your word. I can't think of a better prayer to pray. pray. Especially as we come into the communion table today. As we go and we remember what Jesus Christ has done for us and what he's spoken over us, what he says to us in his word, the promises that he gives us, the love that he's shown us on the cross. Lord, I'm your servant. May it be done to me according to what you say, Lord. Not what the enemy says, not what people say, not what my circumstances say, what you say. May it be done to me according to your word. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you and we ask, Lord, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, take the revelation of your word and apply it to our lives in such a way, Lord, that we will not stay in doubt and fear. But, Lord, that we would open up our lives to you and be vulnerable before you. Even as we come to the communion table today, Lord, I ask that you'll speak your word into our lives, and we will respond. May it be done according to your word. Lord, I ask that you cleanse us, that you would prepare us for this time of communion now, when we remember your sacrifice for us. In Jesus' name.